It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Bally's Goes Belly Up sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, ouch, so negative. Why are you going so negative? Boy. Least surprising <laughs> bankruptcy. Uh, yeah, least in, surprising in bankruptcy history, in, <laughs> in history. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something from my my youth, my former life as an intern at WFAN, the old sports radio station in New York. Uh, I oftentimes did the overnight shift with uh, Steve Summers, who I consider one of the smartest people in sports radio. He used to come in and grab the newspapers, and he'd come back down with the monologue that was unbelievable. Just brilliant, brilliant stuff. But I departed South by Southwest early. I was there, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and uh, Tuesday or Tuesday morning, our first yep. flight out. You're still there. So did you ever listen to Summers? Do you know what he would do? No. I, I do oh, remember uh, listening to him as a child, but okay. I, I don't know well, exactly. I'd love what he just kind of make fun of how serious people take it on an old sports radio station. He'd kind of make fun of people and they didn't know they were being made fun of. Like David Stern used to do that as well. So I love that. But in my best Steve Summers, he would say, me here, you there on the other side of the glass. Mm, <laughs> so I, nice. I can see the, ho- the, the familiarity of the hotel that we were sharing, but you soon will be back from South by, but you're still there on the ground. Give me your impressions of our days at South by what stood out. Um, in terms of who said what, who did what, and what you saw, I, I mean, I had a blast, Scott. I, I imagine you did too. Sportico, I didn't love the, I didn't love the barbecue. I got to tell you, we went. I, I didn't want to oh, ruin everybody's party I mean, that day. You but say their name? I wanted ribs. <laughs> I don't. I can't see waiting online like we did. I mean, it was a fast yeah. moving line. I get it. Uh, are we going to name the place we went to? I don't want to like you know. I don't want to get them angry at me. Okay. But we're waiting on this. And I, I by the way. I did not have much. It was the only barbecue I had. As you knew, I was very good. I was with salads. Yeah. I didn't want to eat crazy. But all right, last night, and then we get to the front, and we're getting ready to order, and they're like, this is what we have left. No ribs. Ridiculous. That's how it goes down here. You cannot you know, you, be, you cannot. <laughs> you run out of ribs, run you run out, out of ribs. No, no. You cannot run out of ribs. And you won the lottery with your burnt end hunk that they gave you. I did. Ridiculous. I did. Yeah, I just happened to get there right as the only piece of brisket left was the, uh, was the burnt end. So Big I got win. A nice, All right, now uh, go nice back. Sorry to interrupt there. with my with my uh, my uh, tales of woe from our dinner. 
It was it was a good three days of of, of programming here. I, a bunch of stuff stuck out to me, Scott. I, I thought we had Stefan Diggs, Eric Jackson, our colleague, spoke with Stefan Diggs on the first day. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Neko Ogwamike, the 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 NBA uh, WNBA player, uh, I thought was really great as well. Uh, one that 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 stuck out to me was hearing Apollo Anton Ono, the former Olympic speed skater talk a bit about his training and just how much things have changed for, 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 for professional athletes and athletes at the top of their, uh, of their craft now versus back when he was skating, which honestly wasn't that long ago, Scott, but, but two things he said that, 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 that will ring in my mind. One being, uh, he thought he was overtrained 80% of his time as a, as a serious speed skater. Uh, and, and he said he did that essentially because the people who were coaching him were like, this is what we always did. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we do. We're on the ice all the time. Uh, we're, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, he got a little bit older and, 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 and dove into some of the studies that he realized, oh, take, taking a day off, uh, isn't, uh, isn't being lazy. It's not bad for your training. It's actually good for your training. Um, and the second thing he said, which I thought was interesting also is that, you know, part of that argument and part of that. The, the truth about training better and also having better equipment now is that speed skaters are so much faster than he was even uh, just a short time ago. And, and I think he said that the, 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 the fastest female uh, speed skaters, short track speed skaters now are going at speeds faster than, than he was as an Olympic champion just a little while ago. So uh, a, a number of, uh, of different things stick out to me, Scott. How about you? Uh, I am most struck, if I may, by... I think athletes really realizing that they can build a bigger brand, be bigger stars, get an early start on sort of this career outside of sport. Like they understand I can capitalize on the notoriety of being NFL, NBA, whatever, but they many early in careers now have an eye on uh, whether it's media or something else, you know, part of our podcast age, we had the Pivot podcast, which was Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder, Ryan Clark. Uh, I think they see a world, they're like, wait a minute, I, I can do this while I'm playing. I can start at age 24. And and Stefan Diggs made a great point when he said, Let, don't forget that it's all built on success on the field. Like for early, early on, you got to focus on being really good because that's what makes you desirable, makes you known, that's fine. But once you've done that, and there are plenty of players who do, and and, and Rachel Nichols was there and you know, plenty of mm -hmm. athletes on her pod as well, they want to do more. Like They see Michael Strahan. They see Tiki Barber. They see the Pivot Pod. They see these guys. They see Pat McAfee, who, by, by, the, by the way, if he can opt out of this fan duel deal, make even more with Amazon or YouTube or wherever mm -hmm. the heck he goes. Uh, credit to Andrew Marshan reporting that, that he can opt out of the deal. I think they see that there's a real market for the insights that they have. And you don't need to be the megastar. You just need to be good. And you have to understand the performative and have these conversations about what it's like to be on the inside. What are the athletes thinking? It's, it's amazing. That, that's what I, I really took away from the whole thing it, is, is that athletes really have a grasp on there's more out there for them than just playing. Yeah, and, and media feels like the easiest way to, to make that crossover. And that's why I think we're seeing so many, so many former athletes or even current athletes, as you're saying, getting in getting into that, right? The 10 years ago or 15 years ago, 
you needed uh, a major contract at, at a at a big sports media public uh, big sports media network to to get your start there. And now you can, as 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 Ryan and and Fred and, and Channing have done, you can just get three people together with good podcast, good good microphones, uh, and you can start up. And, and I think their show is fantastic, Scott. I don't know how much you listen to it, but th- there's a whole lot of really interesting things that that current and former athletes are doing in the media space just because it's easier to get started and it's easier to grow your audience uh, w- with the way technology uh, has unfolded and the way that people consume things now. I enjoyed also the Twitter reaction to your putting out there the uh, soundbite from Steve Kuhn, the founder yeah. of Major League Pickball, saying that, oh, it's going to be a top five viewed sport, You know, more people watching. And I, st- and I-, I laugh at sort of the egocentric part of people thinking, well, I'm never going to watch Pickleball. That certainly means nobody yeah. is going to watch Pickleball. Now, by the way, I understand he's the founder. He's got a biased take. I get it. You know, I, I, It's promotion. I got it. It could totally be hyperbolic. I, I understand. However, when you have Dude Perfect buying in, when your strategy isn't just, okay, I need to get on ESPN, I need to be on CBS, that there's a whole new world of most watch could be do perfect doing pickleball stunts, putting it out and having 200 million people see it. Yeah. There's a whole new world order as to what's going on. And maybe it could be an animated broadcast. Hint, hint, wink, wink. We may get to that in a little bit later in the show. But yeah. the idea of viewer is a whole lot different than the folks throwing shade back at you on Twitter going, this guy's crazy. He's an idiot. Well, maybe, maybe he's P.T. Barnum. I'm not saying he's right. Maybe he's P.T. Barnum. I'm saying there's a new world order that gives him a very interesting opportunity to have people touch his his product. And by the way, I tried it for the first time and like I thought it was pretty good for the first time. I thought <laughs> I, I, I did. I, you know, and made me feel good, by the way, that one of the uh, Major League Pickleball executives was there. And I said, you know, I, what I didn't get right away, it took me 15 minutes to kind of warm up to, was that like the ball didn't bounce that high. I was like, oh, I really got to get down. There's just not a lot of bounce and whatever. And he said, no, no, no. Like just between you and me, and I'll share it with the world now. You know, we had this court installed there yeah. a, as, a, as a promotional thing. He said, there's a lot of dead spots here. Like it's just not. He's like, I was out there. It's just not bouncing the normal way it would, and we're going to fix it for when the pros come out there. And they did. And then I saw, like, oh wow, these people are really good, and they were hitting the hell out of it. But anyway, that those were my takeaways. That's one of the beauties of pickleball, I think, is that it, the barrier to entry the first time you play it is actually very is not very high, right? So it, it makes it so that you can you can pick up a paddle having never never played before, and and fairly quickly have a have a hang of, of the gameplay. Going back to your point about most viewed, Scott, um, it's it's a good actually transition if we want to get into to ballets because you're you're right. There's many different ways to think about most viewed, and that's going to change moving forward. I think the the frustrating thing for a lot of people, and or what I think will be a frustrating thing for a lot of people in this industry, is that monetizing that is is fairly difficult. Right, two hundred million people watching a, a dude perfect video uh, of Major League Pickleball. Uh, it, it just doesn't get monetized it, it, in nearly the same direct dollar way of 200 people, 200 million people watching uh, a, a, a telecast on on television, right, or on your or on your local RSN. Uh, so I, I do think that there's a uh, 
I do think there's there's something going on there, right? Where as the the definition of a viewer changes, uh, it's also become the through line to monetizing that viewer also becomes a bit more. Do you remember what I say? One of the things I say probably too many times, but I think it's a great thing, and we should remind people all the time what John Skipper said to me. I mean, I'm going probably a decade plus. You know, the former president of ESPN, John said, "Just get me the eyeballs." That was his directive to people at ESPN. Just get me the eyeballs. It is my job to figure out how to monetize them. If you're starting with many, many eyeballs, that's a pretty good place to be. Then it's up to the creative, smart people to figure out how to separate those eyeballs from their money. Yeah. And that's the hard part, right? The, ask anyone in esports, right? The, yep. the esports had the eyeballs, still kind of does. Uh, five years ago, when, when everybody was investing in these, in these teams, these orgs, these leagues, uh, some of these teams were getting valuations almost up to what MLS clubs have, right? And uh, it, it became very difficult very quickly for a lot of these same people to monetize those eyeballs. So I, I think you're right. That, that is the, the challenge, and the good people are going to be making a lot of money in sports media for, for a very long time. Uh, but I do think it is becoming, across the industry, it's becoming harder and harder. Yeah, two things, by the way. Uh, one, did you see that Aaron Rodgers is going live on Pat McAfee today at 1 o'clock? Like oh, is how to many announce pe- his yeah. decision? I don't, I don't know if he's going to announce, but just think about what that means. You don't think ESPN 10 years ago would have had that interview exclusively or a network? For sure. I mean, how many people are going to tune in to see what Aaron Rodgers has to say? I know I know, all work in New York will cease for about 10 minutes as Jet fans are figuring out, well, hey, wait, is he our quarterbacker, isn't he? That's yeah. one. Until you mentioned the barrier to entry for the pickleball, should I have some fun at one of our coworkers' expense? You Please. Know, happy birthday. As we record, <laughs> happy birthday to Dick Glover, our CEO. Um, and Glover was out there on the pickleball court with me. So if he can do it and not stroke <laughs> out, then anybody can do it. I mean, I am talking about the lowest of the low barriers to entry. Glover was out there. We have a great photo of him on the on the court sort of directing traffic. I saw that uh, pointing, <laughs> pointing. Yeah, yeah, so do me a favor. Let's throw, let's throw, let's really embarrass him. Let's throw, and you, by the way, you can include mine anyway, which uh, I'm going to, as a journalist, I shouldn't have done this, but I told our photogs, like guys, the next time the ball comes this way, I am going to give an extended pose with me hitting the ball. I said, forget, I don't know where the ball is going to go. It won't matter. The key is to get me striking that pose. <laughs> and they did. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming clean. Everybody will know. It it's not like gram. I made some, I mean, you look at, yeah, totally for the gram if I used it, but it totally looks like a Federesque backhand, right? And I have, I think the ball probably hit the wall on the, on the building or something. I don't think it went over the net. Amazing. <laughs> but, but who cares? All right. Tell me about the most valuable MLB franchises to no surprise. The New York Yankees have a hefty lead on the rest of baseball. Thank you, Kurt Bodenhausen. Great work. Kurt dropped his, his most recent MLB valuations this week on the eve of uh, of a new season. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any major, nothing really stuck out to me. I think for most baseball fans, you're not going to be surprised by the top of this list. The Yankees, as you said, Scott, top at $7.1 billion. The Dodgers next, 5.2. The Red Sox right after them, 5.2 rest of the top five is the Cubs and the Giants. I think the interesting thing, uh, to, to me at least, is, is seeing kind of the continued one, the continued separation between the, the elite, really, really, really valuable franchises and everyone else. And two, the, the, the what's happening right now with Bally's is actually starting to affect franchises. Um, yeah. And you see it in, in, in the numbers, particularly for 
clubs in the middle or to the back of, of, of the MLB valuations. Rockies down 4%. Guardians down 2 Pirates down 3 D-backs, who, by the way, haven't been paid by Bally's first club, minus 2%. Yeah, you're starting to see the ramifications. And that's that's re- it's really rare outside of COVID. I can't really think of a time where there was kind of consistent in any major league consistent depreciation of valuations uh, for franchises. And, 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 and we can discuss and talk about whether this is a temporary thing or not, but it is a big deal, in my opinion, for something to happen in this, especially in the media side, something to happen in the media side that makes a chunk of team valuations in any sport go down year over year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What we haven't seen is an upside down sale where somebody sells for less than they paid. We have not seen that. But any sort of diminution in value has got to be nerve-wracking for you know folks in the industry. But let me ask you this, because we we publish our methodology, so I make no bones about we may be low on something, and it's because somebody has like Matt Ishbia. Like we published our NBA valuations right before Ishbia's purchase of uh, control of the team, and he valued the team at four billion. We valued the team at three. On paper, uh, the ancillary businesses and the Suns are value to $3 billion. But that's the thing about sports. Sometimes you also add heart over head. Let me ask you, if I may, since we have some major properties on the market, like Manchester yep. United right now, the commanders, if the New York Yankees went on the market, and I don't think this is really debatable. We have them at $7.13 billion. Great. The New York Yankees are put up for sale. The global interest in that brand, the number of bidders, that thing ain't going for $7 billion. Look up to the sky. We're going way higher than that. Absolutely. Without, without question. Um, it, and that's true. Again, that's true in every league, right? You have the, the, the top dogs. If the Cowboys were to right. sell, go on the market tomorrow, they would sell for higher than the, I can't remember the exact number, but I think Kurt had them in the $7 billion as well. Would definitely fetch more, uh, almost certainly would fetch more than that, more than that price. I, I do think it's, again, it's a, it's a more interesting conversation the lower down we go. The Washington Nationals, Scott, have been on the market for months and months and months. Yeah, uh, Deal does not appear to be close from people that I've talked to. It seemed like it was even closer six or seven months ago. The uh, LA Angels, 10th on Kurt's list, $2.4 billion. Uh, they were briefly on the market for a bit last year before current owner Artie Marino pulled them off the market. Now, uh, Artie, Artie of- backed up some claims that he had offers that would have been record-setting offers, multiple offers, and he just couldn't let go Great. of the team. Yeah, yeah. for whatever but reason. But Otani and maybe a Japanese bidder, I, I could see that happening. For sure. I'm just saying that, I, yeah, I think there's uh, the, the, the clubs like Manchester United, the clubs like the Yankees, the clubs like the, the Cowboys, um, huge, huge interest would sell for more than the, the paper valuation for sure. But we are seeing at least on, in, in the lower tiers of some of these leagues or medium tiers of some of these leagues, at least some hesitancy from, from sellers in the past few months. All right. You mentioned the Bally's bankruptcy expected. It happened a couple of days before it had to, before the deadline. Uh, restructuring to eliminate about $8 billion in debt. Now, the interesting part is like, okay, what are their obligations, right? $1.9 billion in rights fees, $600 million in payments in debt. That's just in 2023. $900 million of those rights fees was uh, was going to go to 14 Major League Baseball clubs. Matters <laughs> most to baseball teams because, uh, as I can maybe feel with a warming of the air every now and then, pitchers and catchers, World Baseball Classic, 
it's almost time for baseball. NHL and NBA teams have the advantage in that their seasons are winding down. They have collected a large amount of those payments. MLB is just at the start. MLB promises to have every game shown. Bally's for the record in the filing says they intend to put all the games on the air as they have. But <laughs> but uh, even with the $425 million on hand for operations, if I'm an owner, I still got to be wondering, am I going to get all my money? My math isn't great there, Scott, but you said $900 million in fees due uh, to Major League Baseball clubs baseball this year clubs. and, yes. and, and yep. $400 million of cash on hand. Uh, 400 less than not, $9 million. Yeah, it does not line up uh, perfectly. Yeah, this is a story that we've talked on the show about a lot. The question I get the most, it feels like, from uh, f- f- from people on Twitter and from people I know what does this mean for fans? And I think the easy answer right now is it doesn't mean anything. Nothing. It, it seems like Bally's, yeah. Bally's networks are going to continue to show these games. All these leagues do have contingency plans, as you mentioned. It seems at least right now, those plans will not be needed. Uh, I do think it's going to accelerate uh, some thinking around digital offerings or other ways of bringing these games to fans outside of of the traditional RSN model. But all of that is going to happen down the road. So, so for people out there who are, who are wondering, what does this mean for me in Kansas City as I want to watch the Royals? Uh, it, I don't think it's going to change anything really right now. The, the biggest challenge is, is to the teams. Obviously, Scott, it's, it's, it's the thing that we've been talking about is teams that are used to getting $9 million checks every year from, from, from the local, uh, Bally's affiliate. Uh, are, are, are going to see that money change. It's going to change dramatically and it's going to change quickly. And, and that I think is the most interesting part here. It's, it's trying to figure out what a team, how the, the books of a lot of these teams, and, and it's going to be other teams outside of baseball, but you're right. Baseball is the most, is the most hit right now is how all of these economics work out. And I think the truth is that it's, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a significant media haircut for, for almost everyone involved here. Sign- I would say worth mentioning that when Disney ESPN was was forced to sell these, you know, the kind of federal regulators said it's not good for consumers for Disney to operate, not have only ESPN, but all these RSNs. Um, and they sold it off to Sinclair, um, which, by the way, is, has nothing, you know, is, is, has already gotten this written off it, the balance sheet. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah this will be, be a separate company now. Um, that some federal regulators said, yeah, this is bad for consumers. What, what do you think would have happened right now if Disney and ESPN maintained control of these RSNs? Would we be in this? position uh maybe not now but maybe uh maybe five years from now three i I don't know it's such an interesting what if i hadn't thought about that but it's a great question yeah it's really fascinating just where we i mean disney's wrestling with the switch to pivot to streaming and monetizing streaming you know they're they're trying to figure out uh, as is everybody else um it's really interesting or almost everybody else Uh, it's fun to watch who's doing what and how many people are signing up and all we know for now is that there continues to be uh, the diminution in what was the traditional cable bundle. Those cord cutters, uh, the cord never is fine. They're out there. We knew they weren't going to do it anyway. But more and more cord cutters are just signing up for streaming services and opting against that bundle, which is why we're in this position in the first place. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and it's a, it's, it's a good question, Scott, about ESPN. I, I had not thought about that, but I do think it's a, I think it's an interesting one. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I think there's a, the, 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 the future of, of sports consumption obviously is changing dramatically. And this we're going to look back on, I, I do believe as a, as a pivotal 
moment here the the moment that the rsn model the the the, the shrinking uh shrinking ice cube or whatever we've talked the about the melting it. glacier the shrinking ice cube are you kidding me like, <laughs> that completely screws up the whole metaphor it's a melting glacier <laughs> the melting glacier uh, the pace of a, melt is all we need to know now yeah and this was a big a big chunk cleaving off of it um and and, and again th- th- there's there's a lot of teams that in, in baseball, for example, the Yankees are a good example. The, the Cubs own their own or, or own significant chunks of their own RSNs. Uh, they're, they're not directly involved in this bankruptcy, but uh, I do think that they're they're obviously all all, all, all keeping an eye on it, and uh, they're not immune to some of these issues. It's just going to happen at a different pace of, of melt than than elsewhere. In our conversation with Steve Kuhn, and remember we were talking about bringing investors in on pickleball clubs, one of the points we made is that it's not enough to have money anymore. And we've seen that on the much larger scale with professional sports teams when they're bringing in limited partners. Uh, A lot of people come with the capital. What they don't bring is some particular skill or expertise that'll help in, in in the grand picture. And I think that's what we're looking at here. I mean, the Yankees could have partnered with almost anybody on the Yes Network, right? But who did they bring in? Sinclair. By the way, I would say a bit ironically, but still Sinclair with broadcast operations and and stations uh, and expertise and Amazon with expertise in streaming and e-commerce. And we know this is where the world is going. So it could have been anybody. It's going to be really interesting to find out like who does what with who, how do they partner and what pieces of expertise do they bring? And if I look now, by the way, at NHL, you know, they, they did a broadcast partner. They're back with Disney. Right, yep. they left for a while, and they're they're back with Disney inside the fold. They understand the promotion they get from ESPN. They're trying to figure out, like everybody else, how do we grab kids? Did you watch any of the Big City Greens Classic? And I will, by the way, let me put my hand up first and say, uh, before I don't know a week ago, I had never heard of Big City Greens, which is the number one a- animated show on Disney. I didn't. I had never heard. <laughs> I never heard of them okay. either. Good. Good. All right. So I'm not so out of it. Good. I did not watch the the animated alt cast of the Boo. game this week. I did Boo. see a lot of it. I saw. I, I watched clips on, on on social media, so so I got a sense of what it looked like. Um, I am curious, Scott. I'm not sure. What's the focus group of one? Focus like, group of one. I knew you. I'm glad you brought it up. I think and, everybody's I mean, what waiting. Could be, <laughs> what could be more in the wheelhouse of the NHL trying something right? And here's the verdict. And it's very funny. We we were on the ice last night. Uh, in, in New Jersey for once, thank God, a nice close one. Tonight we'll be back in Connecticut. But we're leaving the rink, driving home. He found it on his own. I didn't say it. And whatever, we're driving home. And the focus group of one says, what is this? And he's watching it. And for 15 or 13-year-old hockey playing kid, didn't really resonate. Did it wasn't, or did not? Did not. Did okay. not. He was not about to watch that cast. Then again, but he's not a cartoon watcher at this point, right? Um, yeah, but, I don't know if the target audience is people like young, young kids who who watch yeah. the show or if it's... Yes. If it's, yeah, okay. I think you got to go like six, seven, eight. Not, yeah, I think you need to go a little bit younger. Maybe kids who don't watch the game itself, the broadcast itself, that may want to give it a try or just like this. For me, what I really looked at, and, and Jacob Feldman goes in on tech all the time, but the sensors and watching the announcers and I thought the, the, the almost the real time aspect of it made it really interesting watching it side by side made it very interesting to me and obviously a seven-year-old watching it doesn't really care if it's one second behind three seconds behind unless that seven-year-old has a fan duel or, or DraftKings account which I would really start to worry but <laughs> problematic yeah. <laughs> yeah digital Ovechkin just scored from the office um yeah. But I would say macro level. I'll just go macro level. We'll, I'm, I'm, we'll get numbers and all that, I'm sure. I say 
kudos to the NHL because why wouldn't you try? You try, try something new, try innovation. Doesn't work, so what? Didn't fail, you learn something. I think it's absolutely a well a, a, a well worth endeavor. And this is the this is the future, right? And and it's not. I don't mean that specifically. Cartoon characters playing uh, playing sports. Well, yeah, and but the NFL it that did way, it with but, Nickelodeon. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just options, right? And try and it, it. Try would it. not shock me if if five or ten years from now you have thirty different options of these things. Your favorite IP, you can have Marvel Marvel characters playing instead, or Star Wars characters playing instead, and you can change. Yeah, good luck with those licensing fees. You're a, trading one licensing fee for another one, there, my friend. Well, you, absolutely, it's not it's not going to be cheap, and and that was going to be my <laughs> second point. I don't know what this what this cost to put on, and and certainly as the tech gets better and easier, it the the, the cost will go down. Um, but yes, I, I agree. I think Lee should be shooting the shot, right? Get, get, do try something new. Something nostalgic like the Nickelodeon thing, something actually for kids like this, uh, like this cartoon thing, whatever it is, just just keep trying to innovate. And you or I are never going to watch a game cartoons, right? I, I think watching Connor McDavid, the cartoon version would would be a would be selling short the, the thing that I love watching about hockey so much. Uh, but if there's if there's Ten thousand young kids that become hockey fans because they were able to watch the 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 Green Park, uh, or I, <laughs> I forget the name already. If they're able to watch the, the their favorite cartoon Big characters, playing, City Greens Big City, Classic, <laughs> come Big on, City Greens Classic. Um, yeah, that seems like a, a potentially worthwhile investment right now for the NHL. All right, we remind a happy birthday to one Dick Glover. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnik. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.